everybody. Live, yeah, live, yeah. live. Sound of the Mad Radio. This is your host, Tech, with co-host. NSC Game Boy, what it is. Man, what it is. Yes, it is. Welcome, fans, to Under the Mat Radio. Today's episode is titled Super Turbo Championship Edition. For those that don't know, that title is from old school gamers, of course. Street Fighter, of course, Capcom. Uh, we used to like bring releasing the same game that's adding all these different subtitles to it. Of course, this title is in honor of our current guest coming up. He is he just signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's an international sensation. Yeah. Great superstar, great wrestler. Kenny Omega will be joining us momentarily. Also, mm-hmm. at the top of the hour, will be another legend in wrestling, former AWA champion of Bad Company, former WWE tag team of the Orient Express, Pat Tanaka, will be joining us. And at 8.30 p.m., we will be joined by the lovely former WWE talent, professional bodybuilder, actor, Melissa Coates. To let you know real quick, fans, you can follow us under the Mats Radio on Twitter at tech underscore UTMR. You can follow NSC Game Boy on Twitter at... NSC Game Boy, spelled correctly. Spell it correctly, yes. Make sure you do spell it correctly. You can follow us on to, on Instagram under the Mats Radio on one word. If you need to email us with any questions or ideas, or any concerns, hopefully you don't have any, we'll be at under the Mats Radio at gmail dot com. YouTube page will be coming up soon. We are currently working on it. However, we do have, and I'm going to let NFC Game Boy take over. We do have a couple of videos up now on YouTube on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse. Radio, NFC Game Boy, uh, tell the Man, fans you can, real quick about what we did this weekend. Real quick, everybody, you can go in and check us out on the Facebook page or go on Pro Wrestling Powerhouse uh, website. Check out some of the highlights, the videos, the interviews that we got this weekend. Uh, great segments with uh, our correspondent, Shin Blake. Shout out to you. Um, well, we got interviews with, uh, who, who can we name? We got so many. We got Rotten. legends. Uh, more legends. Yeah, you know I mean, Ricky Dragon Steamboat got pictures with Bret Hart and stuff. And upcoming interviews. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. You already know what it is. Oh yeah. But we gotta get. We, we got. We got interviews oh, to do. We, oh yeah, we do. Enough of us talking. Right now, we have live, live, live on Under the Mat Radio for the first time. Mm. Newly signed New Japan Pro Wrestling talent and great wrestler. Mm. Internationally, he's wrestled all over New Japan Pro Wrestling and Japan, wrestled all over the world. Former Ring of Honor star Kenny Omega, welcome to Under the Mat Radio. Hello, can everyone hear me? Yeah, yes, you can. You can? Okay, great, great. Hello, yeah. Just like you guys said, um, just signed with New Japan, and I'm the real deal here. Kenny Omega calling, and I uh, was just happy to chat with you guys. I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you, thank you. We're glad to have you, um, brother. We've been we've been uh, negotiating this for about a few months now, so we're glad that we finally was able to come up with a date. So we yeah, can bring it's you so on. rare that I can actually get on the phone and have a chat with people, you know, on the other side of the planet. So for us <laughs> to kind of come together here and make it happen, I'm I'm pretty happy. I literally yeah. do like one interview a year, so you guys you guys yeah. get to get my time for that interview. Wow, thank we, you. We do it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah. Oh yeah, it is. And Kenny, you know, sit back, relax, have fun. Now you say from from the other planet. Now where are you at currently, right now? Right now, I'm with my family in Winnipeg, Canada. But usually I'm in Japan or just like 
I'm never really in one place at one time for too long, so it's there'd be no way for me to do one of these types of interviews on a on a tour bus or in a hotel room somewhere like it would just be impossible. So for me to kind of be sort of in between um changing over my visa, you know, I actually have time to sit down and talk on the phone, so um it just worked out that the time slot that we that you guys had for me was when I was here in Canada. So thank goodness for that. <laughs> yes, it is. With that being said, Kenny, here under the Mad Radio, we've had the blessing and the honor of having great legends, local wrestlers, referees, belt makers, actors, Hollywood producers, and what have you. We're glad to have you on. We we go sheet style, brother. We talk about anything and everything. We didn't talk about government cheese. We didn't talk about subs. We didn't talk about wrestling and, 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 and what forth. With that being said, yeah, you're famous for this. Hadouken, your wrestling style. Use a lot of, I hear you, yeah. moves, a lot of video game moves. And with that, I'm gonna turn it over to my great co-host and professional video gamer, NEC Game Boy. I'm gonna let him take it over from here. All well, right. Kenny, yeah. me, first of all, let me say I, it, was, yeah. it was exciting to have you finally on the show. Uh, I've been following your work for a few years now. And um, before we uh, got on air, I, I went over my notes and everything, and I have to be ecstatic that you, a fellow video gamer like myself, and a professional at what he does as a, a wrestler. And my first question is this. What yeah. inspired you to incorporate uh, these uh, video game techniques and Street Fighter-like moves into your wrestling persona? Well, man, I'll be honest. I... Uh... After getting my developmental deal with WWE, I came back and I was going to retire. I kind of had enough, and um, I just felt that you know if I, I I really didn't feel like I could I could do the program robot type thing. I was very it was very difficult for me to become just kind of like a cookie cutter of what they wanted and be happy with it. So when I came back and started to do the indies again, I thought I'm just going to be myself. And if nobody likes it, well, then I guess, you know, there's really no place for me in professional wrestling. But if people like it, then it's going to be easy for me to continue on because it's just me being me. And even at the end of the day, if, you know, in my local indie fed here in Winnipeg, they don't like it, well, you know, at least I'll be happy just doing this as a hobby locally. It was more just so I could stomach being a professional wrestler at the time. And thankfully, uh, somehow, people kind of... I don't know, liked what I was doing, and they could really relate to the kind of things that I was doing. And I mean, when I was doing things like Hadouken and stuff, there was no Street Fighter Four, and I think at the time, like Third Strike was out, but there's really like no scene locally in Winnipeg. But everybody knows Street Fighter Two, so it kind of became popular. And even when I used it in other areas, people people knew what it was. And I, I'm just lucky that, yeah. Um, even though I'm kind of you know too much of a maniac gamer, that at least the games that I'm referencing, it, they're kind of universal. Everybody knows. Well, as a fellow gamer, I am ecstatic to have you represent in, in the video game culture and add it to your repertoire. Um, it, it's, it's humorous, but at the same time, you know, you make it work, and that's what I guess the... the no, I 1,000% devote myself to it, man. <laughs> like, I, yeah, You can see it. You can actually see it. Like, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I could easily joke around and, and throw air at a guy, but 
nine times out of ten, I'm I'm coming at the guy and hitting him as hard as I can in the face, you know? Sure, like I yell Hadouken and stuff like that, but I'm 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 trying to make it like a legitimate move in my arsenal so that even in a place that features strong style like New Japan Pro Wrestling, I can use a Hadouken and it's it's believable, you know? Well, it it looks very good from over here and I'm not the person in the ring with you. <laughs> so yeah, trust and believe you have my vote. <laughs> Um, so when you think you're question. a full gamer, by the way, is it okay if I ask a question too? Yeah, I'm really curious about. Yeah, I'm really curious about the. You know, you being a pro gamer. What what game is it that you went pro with? Um, I went pro in Tekken and um Street Fighter. Oh, okay. And Street Fighter uh, I was, too. Um, I was East Coast champion. Um, back in like 1999, 2000. Um, oh, you were like uh, Dark Side Phil era. <laughs> no, I beat um Brahim, a guy named. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I beat um, Raheem back in like, uh, was like I think it was like 2000, 2001 at uh, ECC. I beat him. Um, and, they, you know, I'm I'm the only guy from, from Maryland who really kind of put Tekken on the map back then. And uh, I, I faded off. You know, I'm, I'm in my 30s now, so I got right. kids and, and, and relationships. Yeah, that makes both of us, man, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and uh, <laughs> on another note, I know your birthday's coming up, so uh, happy birthday. It actually is, boy. yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. I was able to spend uh, Canadian Thanksgiving and even my birthday here in Canada. So it's it's been a good week, and and here we are. It's just it's part of the celebration. Real quick, here. real quick, guys. I believe we have a phone caller. Um, real quick, are you cool? Eight one four. Welcome to Under the Mat Radio with Kenny Omega, Tech, and NSC Game Boy. Yeah, my question's for Kenny. Were you afraid when you wrestled that nine-year-old Japanese girl in Stardom? Yes, I was. I was terrified. Um, I'd, I'd actually had um, a couple of accidents in my, my Japanese wrestling career. Uh, if anyone, for the people that aren't familiar, uh, there was a really strange, strange accident. I did a, Ibushi and myself, my tag team partner, we did a double moonsault to the outside. And when we did it, the two guys we were hitting fell backwards and, and collided skulls. So one of the guys, he really messed up his head and his neck. And um, generally I was kind of like in the fans' eyes, I was sort of blamed for it. Um, another accident happened with Marafuji. So I was kind of, um, I was scared that, you know, I'm going to wrestle and I want to make it believable against a nine-year-old girl who I think was only seven or eight at the time, actually. Um, but I knew it was a chance. It was a great opportunity to really show that, something special, something that no one else could ever do. And I didn't want to just, like a lot, a lot of wrestlers, they take themselves too seriously and they would, you know, not even take the chance to even try to wrestle a girl. But I wanted to tell a story and make it really entertaining just for the fans there that were in attendance. And the girl herself wanted to be an actual successful professional wrestler. So I wanted, if I could, help her out in any way possible. And um, somehow, I'm not even sure how, but the footage turned up like on the internet the next day and people from all over the world were watching it. It's one of my most proud performances in my life, but I, yeah, I mean, times when I was going to do like the Enzigiri and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I mean, had I made any contact whatsoever, I would have knocked the girl's head off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and at anything, at any point in time, there could have been an international incident and I knew that I was kind of putting it on the line. I knew it could end my career. 
I mean, who's going to want to work with a guy that killed a nine-year-old? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just not good for anybody. But I knew that I really trusted myself. I knew that if anyone could do it, that it was me. It was sort of like a test of, you know, everything that had, that I had done, everything that I had practiced up to that point. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to make it work. And I'm, I don't know. I feel so lucky that a lot of people that watch it, you know, do like the match. I, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people hated it too, but. Um, generally, it, it got positive reviews. So, but yeah, I mean, I was I was scared before the match. I was scared during the match. I was I was even scared after the match. I was getting death threats all over the internet. So yeah. Wow. Cheeky, uh, do you have uh, any more questions for Kenny Omega? Uh, my second question would be: Have the Hardy Boys ever tried to recruit you for Omega Wrestling since your name's so similar? Yes, yeah, it's, it's very similar. It's my last name. My last birth name, um, so my family name. I, uh, I've never, I've, I mean, I've met Jeff once at the Tokyo Dome, like two or three years ago, and he was a real cool guy. But I don't think he's familiar with anything that I do. And I, as for Matt, I've never met him before either. So, I, I really, I don't think they know that I even exist. But, um, I, I of course would love to go there. I, I think it'd be a great time. Mm, okay. Well, uh, Cheeky, thanks, buddy, for calling in, man. Yeah, thanks Thank for the you. questions, man. Well, one of our good old, uh, one of our first listeners and first uh, fans uh, from when we first started over a year and a half ago, we thank him for calling. Kenny. Yeah, first, awesome. Yeah, thank you. First thing, uh, you imagine, I'll tell a story, me, uh, NFC Game, but we're big otakus, big into anime, you know, oh. big anime convention. Uh, they come see in, in uh, Baltimore, which is the second biggest in the world, is Otakon. And the first yep. time, first match I saw of you, they normally had the Japanese wrestling panel. Big ups to Tim, uh, Timothy Walls, who's a uh, part of the wrestling uh, crew and used to run a panel. They showed a match with you and a little girl, a nine-year-old girl. And I'm like, wow, this, he's actually wrestling a nine-year-old girl. But it was great because, you know, here in the States, the U.S., they'll never let that happen. They definitely no, won't let that happen. But the fact I'm not even wrestled, sure if they let it happen in Japan again, to be honest, but, yeah. Wow. <laughs> the fact that you yeah, wrestled in Yeah. Yeah, it was, and the the match itself was great. It was better than a lot of current wrestling you see on TV against a few men. So um, that was that was my first introduction to you, and since then, and the fact that you used a lot of, um, a lot of video game moves and Street Fighter moves, I thought it was cool because it kind of brought in – your fan base instead of just pure wrestling, even somebody that may not be in the wrestling that may be in the video games or comic books, say, hey, wait, he's doing a duel game. Wait a minute, I know that. Let me let me watch his matches. So I think that was that was genius on your part that um that you started doing well, it. Thank That's sort of been my MO. I mean, realistically, a lot of people that I wrestle with, their their passion is wrestling. It's the most favorite thing to them, the most important thing to them. But for me, I have so many other things in my life that I love. Um, you know, I mean, I love video games and anime, just like you guys. You know, I love reading comics, love watching TV dramas, movies, just as much as I love to wrestle. So I wanted to, you know, have a style that wasn't just for wrestling fans. You know, I want to, I want a style that anybody can watch and uh, take something from. If I'm trying to be funny, I, I don't want just a wrestling fan to think that it's funny. I want anybody that watches the match for it to find it funny. That's just sort of the way I always 
you know, I think that's why um, a lot of hardcore critics critics don't really like me so much. But it's it's because I'm wrestling for everybody, not not just for the people that take wrestling too seriously. So if I can have, you know, um, if I can have people that say, "Oh man, I hate wrestling. Wrestling's gay," but you know that Kenny Omega match versus the nine year old girl was really funny and fucking awesome. I'm pretty happy. Those are the kind of people that I, you know I want to attract to professional wrestling, or at least to my matches. Mm-hmm. All right. Also, too, with you, um, TNA just uh, recently did that pay per view in Japan, and um, you know me and NC Game Boy, we had a chance to watch it, of course, since a part of our. Oh, how was it? Radio. I didn't see it. Uh, it it wasn't bad. We liked it. It was different. Um, different yep. from WWE. Uh, a lot of our friends weren't used to the Japan culture, the Japanese culture, which um, which will lead to my next question. So it was good watching our friends, you know, kind of react to the Japanese culture to, and to react how they do things. And the react to TNA yeah. uh, just has, you know, more so specifically wrestling instead of uh, everything being storyline-based and uh, character-driven. So mm-hmm. if you can, explain to some listeners that don't know, the differences of wrestling in Japan as opposed to wrestling for the States? I think it really depends on the type of match or the type of angle or the type of wrestler. I think in general, and this isn't really a knock to TNA, but I don't think uh, in general Japanese fans would would like the TNA style. Mm-hmm. Um there's just too much like hokey talking and like like segments that that don't really involve any wrestling or anything athletic and uh of course everybody in TNA speaks english right so i mean even if there is an angle going on it's not like that it's not like they can understand it uh and i find that when i watch TNA even though their roster is incredibly talented i it seems that everyone's always rushing. It's like no one the time is given to the talking so that when things are happening in the ring everyone's rushing to get to the finish. And I think in Japan it's it's the opposite. If you're going to talk, make it quick, tell the story with a match. Um but that being said, I never saw the pay-per-view. It might have been completely different. But from what I've seen from like TNA TV, uh that that's sort of how I feel about the product. And and for you and for you personally, Kenny, um, how was yeah. it for you adjusting to the Japanese culture? Uh well, um I was lucky that I sort of had a good introduction to DDT. I mean I made that YouTube video of the Anywhere match where I'm kinda of wrestling around the you know, my cottage. And uh, DDT fans are kind of wacky, so before even like arriving to DDT, they were already really excited to see me. So I sort of had that little bit of buzz. Um, so the adjustment was really easy to do in ring and in the match. The more difficult adjustment was adjusting to the actual culture and the food and the language. Um, and that was sort of like a you know really long, slow process. Because I mean, it's you're on your own to learn the language. You're on your own to figure out you know, how to eat properly and maintain your diet and maintain your conditioning. Uh, and that, that took about three years to balance it all out and to get to like a level in my Japanese where I could converse and sort of survive. 
So yeah, the matches and stuff, that was easy. It was the other stuff, you know, the after before match kind of things. The times when I weren't wrestling, that was the most difficult. Mm-hmm. Can you give us any uh real quick before I turn it over to my co host, could you give us any uh quick any story about how you had to uh adjust, you know, the t- the tough times that you had to adjust to the Japanese culture, whether it be food or um after matches? Uh well, I mean when I before I went to DDC, I knew that they were really really small indies. So, I was just happy to get the offer to come out to Japan. And uh when I came out, they brought me over to the dormitory and my uh, it's it's like watching like a you know when you watch like a Ren and Stimpy cartoon and they get like the close up of like a, a horrendous scene and there's like I had like the the dirty filthy matches with like the spring popping out of it and stuff like that, like little flies buzzing around and stuff. You could just tell it was just a, a room that was left for years and years and years and no one had touched. And like, okay, this is where you are, and it was in a really old ta- like old part of Tokyo, barely in Tokyo, and so it was like a very senior citizen um, community. And a lot of the senior citizens, they when they were young, had no need to speak English. There weren't English lessons in their in their school. So if I had any problems at a, at a store or needed directions, no one could speak English to help me. So I was really on my own. Um, even when I took a shower, they got these weird, like, it's like this weird gas contraption thing where you have to turn this knob, and, like, you have to turn it, like, left, like, 90 degrees, then back up 45 degrees, then left again 180 degrees, then back again. And you have to do it, like, five times until this fire starts to, like, heat up your water. It's really weird. And the other challenge is finding a toilet where you don't have to do, like, the Shawn Michaels pose to, to take a dump. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like the little you, – you, you know what I mean? It's like the toilet. It's like an opening in the ground. Wow. Mm-hmm. I call it the Shawn Michaels toilet. But to find the Western style, sometimes it can be a challenge depending on where you who are. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. So that <laughs> – so that I mean, it, it was things like that, just like little details. You know what I mean? It, but right. once you once you get used to it, um, and once you actually get more into like the epicenter of Tokyo, things are all like high tech and stuff. You don't really have a problem. But being like almost out of the city at first, and sort of um, in a really really old rundown building, it was it was difficult. But I'm glad I had to learn that way, because mm. I sort of knew how bad it could be before getting to where I am now. Just real quick before I turn over to NFC Game Boy, for anybody yep. that wants to know about DDT, um, the promotion in Japan, my, for my, my viewpoint, this is one of my favorite promotions. This is one of the most random promotions. Anything, literally, and everything could be or have been a part, have been champion. They have an Ironman heavyweight, heavy metal weight championship. So not only have yeah. humans been champion. Few things uh to let you know that's held this championship. A ladder. Three different ladders have won this championship. A Hello Kitty doll has won it. Another stuffed doll yep. have won it. A monkey, a miniature dog has been um champion. <laughs> a pen of beer, yep. a stool chair, um, the title belt itself. So it's a lot of <laughs> different things that's been the champion. Um I think my favorite NDC. two are taxi cab driver and a swamp monster, but that's that's just me. <laughs> Well, I and strangely <laughs> enough, I haven't actually. There's been like a thousand champions or something, but I've never won the belt. It's crazy. Wow. Well, 
Yeah, can, yeah, can be on your list. bucket list. <laughs> yeah, be on your bucket list. <laughs> I hope so. I got a couple more shows left with DDT, so I'll see what I can do. Uh, NFC Game Boy? Well, I'm going to go back to the video game world for a moment, and I want to ask Yeah, you, please do. What, what, what video game character would you yeah. would like to say that you're wrestling model after? We know that you have moves that you... Oh, know. damn. That's such a good question. Character? See, you know, I do the Hadouken, and so people automatically think that I'm trying to be like Ryu, mm-hmm. but even when I play Street Fighter, I never mained Ryu. Like, I, when I played 4, I, uh, I mained Zangief for a long time. And... Uh, now I I just got back into it after not playing since 2010, so I'm using Dudley and uh, Cody. Um, but for like a character, that's, that's such a good question. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know, man. It's like okay, I, I'll give you a, I'll give you an yeah. example. My favorite yeah, Street Fighter character is Vega. I've loved Vega since okay. 1992. Oh, since I first seen him, I've always been Vega's always been my my favorite character. Like okay, hands down. Mm-hmm. But my style, if I had to pick a style, I would say my style would probably still be Vega because I like the uh, I like the assassin type of uh, atmosphere. He's a fighter, but he's he's I don't, I'm not really with the pretty boy thing, but you know, right, he's an sure, assassin. Sure. You know, he he's like the claw, and you know, he don't want to. He likes to be slick and bloody and all that. You know. But he gets the job done. That's no, totally Shadow Lou. If hopefully my fans Shadow out there Lou. under the mat, y'all understand what Shadow Lou and all that Shadow is. Not going to repeat it. Hey, I understand it all. <laughs> so Kenny, what, what would you say? Like, uh, you think maybe maybe a Ryu? You know, Ryu is Japanese. You know, that's and true. If, yeah. I mean, sort. Of, I, w- I would say it would, it would be something between probably Ken and Dan. If we're gonna be honest, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. Well, you already have a stronger Hadouken than Dan, so it's like you know, Ken's got the confidence, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. you know, Dan's got the, the the comedy, but at the you know, Ken can actually get the job done when he has to. That's so true. I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know what? That, that's interesting that you say that. That's 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 true. That's, just but let I mean, anybody like, know. I, I try like there are really I, I I try to take you know a little bit from here and there. I mean, I even feel like I don't know if you guys know anything about like SNK fighters and stuff, but yeah. I even yeah. try to be like a little wacky like Iori and stuff like that. You know, just like oh man, cool. with spastic movements oh, and stuff. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah, you know I I, yeah, I know about so, the art of fighting. I know about the fatal fur. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I love. I swear that the, viewers, uh, the, I swear that the listeners don't know, so I don't. I don't want to quote too many like <laughs> obscure things. Yeah, that's fine. Um, anybody that don't know anything with Tom, but we could easily get get our correspondents just to uh, post up, uh, <laughs> post things up on the show wall. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So they can understand it. And then you know something we, we something they had we didn't have we were cases Google. So anybody that. that <laughs> Don't understand the references that Kenny Omega or the NFC Game Boy or Tackle mentioning. Just use Google. Don't use Google. Just on a side note, it's you know what I hate about SNK games? is the goddamn controls. Like, to do some of their yeah. super moves, it was like pretzel like movements. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like wacky. I can do the uh, Geese, Geese, Raging Storm. If you're yeah, 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 familiar yeah. with the character Geese, 
it is like a yes. personal movement that you have to do. And Japanese Diable. players are so well at doing that. But American players, for some reason, you know, most American players use controllers. I use an arcade stick, so I don't really use a yeah. controller. But it is so hard, and they can do it so fluently, and it just it, it angers yeah. me sometimes. Like these blanks. Yeah, and they can just pull it off. I'm like, damn it. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I used to, before I signed with WWE, I was actually in university. I was I was studying to be a, um, I was studying to get my psychology degree. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would end up skipping most of my classes to hang, hang out at the arcade to play Capcom versus SNK, Millennium Edition. And like you said, <laughs> geese, the only guy that could use geese, and he was unbelievable, was like he was this short little Chinese guy. See? To get a, See? <laughs> and he was, he, was, he was just a genius, you know? Uh, only only a guy like that would be able to handle those kinds of controls. Yeah. See, yeah. I, I, Ken, I, used, I used to cheat. Um, uh, Cat Conference, SNK2, if you had it on the GameCube, it was like a little mold card. What was it, George, uh, Innocent Game Boy, Gism? We can use that little yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just press the direction yeah. and it does yeah, it for you. Right? Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 and everybody with the rising storm or uh, was that my? Trying, who was it? Was it my or one of the SK girls had like a real long like fans or whatever. Yeah, the real long directions to do the move. So that was pretty cool. Um, Kenny. If you be yep. out or eat something cool, you dye your hair red and wear like some white face paint and this is, you know, keep your hair drenching wet. I think that would be cool in, in Japan. Have like a different evil side of Kenny Omega or the start. Yeah, I'm kind of looking towards a new image. I mean, I'm I've just joined New Japan and uh, I don't want to just be like Kenny Omega from DDT signing a new contract. You know, I'm I'm looking to get a, somewhat of a new look, uh, you know, new gear and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that it's going to be, you know, something completely different from what people have seen up to this point. Well, I mean, the movements well, and stuff, the moves and all that, it'll probably be the same. But, you know, I'm hoping to bring yeah, at least something kind of new to the table. Yeah, and yeah you got to. You got you to know, evolve. You do. And I like Capcom, but it's okay. You have to evolve, Kenny. <laughs> Instead of, you know, doing the it's, it's, same yeah, it's not really about, like, evolving. It's like, you know, there's a PWG Kenny Omega. And then there's a DDT Kenny Omega, and I just don't want like now signing with New Japan. I just don't want to be DDT New Japan Kenny Omega. You know, I just I want to be New Japan Kenny Omega. So that right. if you want to see a certain kind of match, you know, you can go anywhere. You know, you can if you want to see a a crazy match, you know, versus the nine year old girl, you know, what, where you can go to watch it. Um, you know, my American indie style of PWG is something completely different. I don't really do it in Japan, and um, yeah, whatever happens in New Japan, I haven't really thought about it too, too much yet. But, you know, I want that to be something kind of new and exciting as well. Okay. Hopefully something okay. people like. I don't know. I... With, with all the great moves you do, Kenny, can you perform a hurricane kick? No, not at all. <laughs> not a, Actually, there was a, that was sort of one of the things that I wanted to try and do. Um to see if I could even, because you know, you see like uh, you know, the Taekwondo masters, they can do the 720 kicks and stuff like that. And uh, I wanted to try and get something, something like that. Uh, but I don't know why my body just doesn't, it doesn't like twisting too much. I can't get like a really like fast twist going. So okay. I just kind of like like go oh, the idea of the hurricane kick. 
Hmm. Speaking of video games. Yeah. What character do you hate? We we all we all gamers here. We all have the one character that we just hate when someone chooses like, oh Lord, we gotta go against him. For me, in Street Fighter, anybody that NFC Game Boy, the reason why I hate Vega is because he's beat me so many times with Vega. So to this, to, <laughs> oh, to this yeah, day yeah. <laughs> to this day I hate Vega for passion. So even when I play at uh Odicon or play at my buddy, someone cheese Vega, I'm like, Oh Lord, here we go. But of course they're not nearly as good as NFC Game Boy. But I hate Vega. That that's Street Fighter, that's the one character that I loathe and I, I can't stand the face. You Kenny, who's the character in Street Fighter, any fighting game, that if someone would pick him, if I went against you or Game Boy went against you, you'd be like, Oh crap. Yeah. Well, for two different reasons I have two different people. One is like right now is Evil Ryu. And the reason is because like <laughs> It's like a guy. I mean, lots of people watch Evo and stuff. It's like whoever Daigo picks, people are gonna try and be Evil Ryu, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to be. You know, they're being like posers. You know what I mean? Right. So, and and they don't really know how to use them. They're just doing like low medium kick Hadouken, low medium kick Hadouken. You get close, they teleport away, and, and it's just garbage. So it's like boring fights, you know. Um, the other yeah. guy that I hate people choosing just because it's just kind of cheap and junky is uh, when people pick Zangief and they just keep doing the lariats over and over again. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they'll just... Because yeah. on- online play, if you if you don't have a good connection, you can just mash lariat, and it's 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 good on everything. You know what I mean? It's like yep. a good anti or good wake-up. It's just, it's just... You can never do it offline, but a lot of guys, you know, really abuse the lariat online, just doing, like, low-short lariat, low-short lariat and stuff like that. I'm thinking Hugo. Like, All those Hugo players and people. Hugo is now kind of getting retarded, but because I played so many in Japan now, I can <laughs> I, I can dispatch them easy. Yeah. But I shout out to my plays. man, my my own boy <laughs> NSC Nooch, uh, Nooch NSC for life. He is one of the best Dudley players in the world. He finally cracked the top ten, the best Dudley players. If you ever come across a guy named NSC for life, he uses uh, Dudley. He is my god brother. What's his name? Sorry. NSC for life. Just like my name is NSC for life. Game yeah. NSC for life. He uses Dudley. I'm always looking to learn, man. So I I would love to. Oh, check you can out check him on. You can Google stuff. him. Um, NSC. Yeah, I would. N-O-O-C-H. Yeah. Yeah, that's my god brother. He is a beast. He is. He's won many titles and stuff. And uh, I played against uh, Justin Wong for many years. I fucking hate Justin Wong. I, no, Justin, if you listen to you, my man, I fuss with you. When I played tournaments, I always had to, I was one of the first people that played Justin back in Marvel vs. Capcom 2 before he started triangle jumping with McNeil in all those days. I was yeah, one of the yeah, first yeah. People, I was one of the first people he had to play, and he demonstrated that. And what Justin does, and if if anybody out there is a gamer, I know we, we're a wrestling show, but goddamn it, listen. But uh, what he does he is he puts you in a move. It's called an infinite. And an infinite combo is a, a combo which your person does to your opponent, which is me, the opponent. And I can't get out of it unless he either messes up or my character dies. But the part <laughs> that really makes me angry is as he's doing it, he looks at you. So he's doing it out of muscle memory, but the whole time he's doing it, he's looking at you. And I used to hate that shit. Like, <laughs> you know, but, oh, oh, I used to hate that. Oh, God, he, he, whew. 
But he's a yeah, great guy. I mean, like, Shout out to Justin. You know, we not personally I was at, close uh, friends. Your game show. Oh, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No problem. I was just no. saying, you know, if he hears this, whatever. I don't want the uh, internet be like, oh, NFC Game Boy calling out Justin. No, I'm not calling out Justin to beat my ass. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> but you know, I he's one of those guys. Like, if he sees me, he knows me. But you know, he he's a great guy. You know, I have nothing really bad to say about him. But um, I, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I saw him live at uh, Tokyo Game Show for his exhibition against Daigo. And, uh, he, I mean, he lost the set, but his execution was flawless. He never dropped any combos. Um, and he, when he plays, he just he looks like he's bored. But everything's coming out just so clean, so perfect. There's never – he has, no, like, nothing to be ashamed of by losing to Daigo. But, I mean, it was, it was, a, and it was a great set of matches. Um, so I, I, I can uh, – I can understand the feeling of um who, who would, now something something some real quick, uh Kenny that I always wondered me and Game Boy he's talked about this. Um and then, and then we'll we'll go back real quick to wrestling. Yeah. A lot of people forget about Guile. And, and, and yeah. I, he, he he's he's like the bastard son. First of all, anybody yeah, listening don't the know. Bastard. <laughs> He's the bastard of the because first of all, fans, Street Fighter Two is not the first Street Fighter. There was a Street Fighter no. One, which I own, and that's the Game Boy owns, and I hate that game. <laughs> so, oh dude, Gyle, I've had fucking nightmares. I I spent <laughs> an entire afternoon playing Street Fighter One, and I, it must have been like four hours. It takes it's so impossible to beat. It's so fucking cheap. <laughs> And then you'll get that try again kid message that, you know, try again kid. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, man. It's hard to do. I don't know. I, didn't even, I had to, I had to like, find out a way to trick the game to beat Sagat at the end. It was it was like a, a, a miracle that I was able to do it. Mm-hmm. But anyway. It's, it's, people forget, and real quick, because we have a caller, is that Guy was the postable. He was the John Cena of Street Fighter. He, he was, he was the, the, the number one guy. And next thing you know, well, Ryu and Ken, Chung Lee, and to this yep. day, you, you ask any random or even basic gamers, you know, oh, Street Fighter, oh, Ryu, Ken, uh, yep. you know, Chung Lee, Vega, M. Bison, so the dude with the glowing eyes, oh, yeah, Guile, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I remember him. The weird part about that is if you play any sound, like song from the soundtrack, I guarantee you I recognize Guile's theme song the most, which is the oh, crazy yeah. part. You know? Right. You see that YouTube what a great video song, by the way, but yeah. At any time? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that YouTube video when you can play Guile's theme, like, for any moment, like, at a funeral or at a wedding, <laughs> like, at, at, at a at a NASA space launch or something. Like, you can play it, like, the, at yeah. a car crash. It's, like, the randomest moments that you can play it, and it's, like, it always fits. Like, <laughs> It's a real inspirational tune, yeah. It, it, yeah, it really is. It is. Ken, Kenny, were, were you a fan of, uh, of, and I'm being very sarcastic here, of the great uh, Street Fighter movie, The Legend of Chung Lee? Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, there are, like, there's, like, a top three, like, worst movies of all time list, and, and it, it has okay. entered it. Okay, go ahead. Establish your top three worst movies of all time. Well, a lot of people would probably disagree, and, and they're in the top three because like I actually had kind of an expectation for them, 
But, uh, okay. you know, the Chung Lee movie is one of them. It might even be top, like, number one. The other one for me, a lot of people disagree, but the first Incredible Hulk that came out, I hated it. Oh, God. And, um, I mean, the remake or whatever, when they rebooted it, uh, was good, I thought. And how they yeah. used them in Avengers and stuff, that was good, too. Um, but I thought it was garbage. I couldn't stand it. Just, like, pissed me off to watch it. Um, and then another one that was just, like, really bad for me was, uh, I, I, I mean, there there are way worse movies, but I'm talking about, like, movies that people hyped up and, and that people kind of like. Right. But, uh, it was, uh, I guess it was Pitch Black, that Vin Diesel movie, you know, where he had, where, like, Riddick or whatever? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, I mean, those, those three movies always kind of stood out for me as, like, the worst I've ever watched. You can't understand Vin Diesel. What do you say, Vin Diesel? White theater in every movie. You can't understand nothing he says. No. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I watched, actually, you know what? I would have to say, I was at uh, I was at my cottage for a little bit, doing like a little bit of a training program out there. And I thought, hey, I should watch some old 80s action movies. That's what I like to do in my spare time, like for inspiration, you know? So I thought, mm. a lot of people love Chuck Norris because, you know, they bring up like the, Chuck Norris is so scary or whatever that uh, he he can bite your dick off or whatever. I, I don't know how it goes, but <laughs> you, you know those Chuck, those Chuck, those, they were on the internet. I, I can't remember how they went, but the facts. Right. I thought like, oh, Chuck Norris must be a badass. He must have some pretty good movies. I couldn't remember any of them, so I I had Delta Force to watch, and it was that that might make the top three for sure. He's god awful. Like the guy's got no charisma. His fight yeah. scenes are god awful. <laughs> I mean, like, at least when you watch a Steven Seagal movie, like, he does, like, you know, the cool, like, Aikido and stuff, and he's, like, hip-tossing mm-hmm. guys through, like, glass cases and stuff. He fights Like, poking their eyes out with his thumbs and stuff. Right. And then, and then he'll say something cool, and he's very profane, and I like that. And then if you got Van Damme, you know, he does, like, the ah, and things like that. And he's, like, jacked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Holy> strangling. <laughs> But Chuck Norris, he's just like this skinny, he's like this skinny, dorky-looking guy that says nothing and does nothing. Every now and then he'll do like a, a weak-looking spin kick. I can't understand what what made him so famous. All right, don't forget Walker anyway. Texas Ranger. Don't forget Walker Texas Ranger. Those dunk reading them jeans. Yeah. I never. Now, I can't now. say I watched. I know. I know what it is. Of course, I know what it is. I think it, it always followed like my Saturday morning cartoons when I was a kid. But I would shut it off right away. It just looked bad. Well, Kenny, for you, we we will we will send you uh, personally. We will send you the the Chuck Norris sidekick. If you remember that spinning kick he did at the Royal Rumble. Oh yeah. Was yeah. that Jeff Jarrett? You know, that was probably the best kick he's ever done. Right. If we're gonna be honest. No, I'm sorry, but Survivor Series '94, I believe, or was it the Rumble '94? One of them. And where he kicked he Jeff that. Jarrett, right? Yeah, he kicked Jeff Jarrett, right? Well, See, now had I watched that, I would I would have had higher, even higher hopes for a Chuck Norris movie during my stay at the cottage. But yeah, what a disappointment! I mean, do you guys know of any good Chuck Norris movies? Because I I certainly don't. A lot of I mean, someone had uh, suggested Missing in Action, but I think I'm done with Delta Force. I think it was in the second one too. But the no, uh, really uh, can't think you, of a good Chuck Norris movie. Can you count Return of the Dragon for good Chuck? Ah, uh, no. No, 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 no. That no, don't count. It doesn't, it doesn't count, but 
Well, I do count that other one. I can't remember what it was. Was it was it called Sidekicks or Sidekick or something? Oh yeah, the one with the oh, little yeah, white boy it? doing uh, the yeah, nunchuck kid from stuff. The, yeah, the kid from Sequest or whatever. Yeah, Jonathan, was it Jonathan Brandis? That, yeah, that, that movie was alright. It was good. It was good. Yeah, that was that movie was alright. It was kind of like Karate Kid, Karate Kid, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. That's got to be the best Chuck Norris movie I've seen. Yeah, but anyway, he just <laughs> like I said, that's the great thing about our show is that uh, you know, we talk about any and every. For for, for you, Kenny Omega, be, being a great guest, uh, if you want to know about Chuck Norris' filmography, this Delta Force, uh, you have uh, the Expendables too. If you count that. Oh man, that was like wasted screen time. I haven't seen the third one, but I mean, like second one, whatever. He just like walked on set and used a machine gun for like five minutes. I can't. Been left. And and apparently, for me, I I actually, I actually hate the Expendables. I think it's just like old guys trying too hard to be cool when I watch those movies. It's like the the it's like Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. That's that's why I watch them and respect it. Like for me, watching Expendables one, the highlight for me, and it's not even because I'm a wrestler, was was Stone Cold. Easily, he stood out by far as as the best character in the movie. And then for me, in the second one, I thought everyone was garbage except for Van Dam, who played an awesome heel or bad guy, depending on what kind of. Well, I will say Expendables three is the best one out of the three. Because Mel Gibson did an excellent job as a villain. I heard this. I heard that too. My my he, friend he said really, that Mel Gibson was awesome. Yeah, he he did a good job as a villain. And the action scenes is not really the Expendables. It's the it's the new the upcoming guys that's really yeah. in the movie that really makes the movie. Some of the action scenes and stuff that they do are really really good. But Mel Gibson did an actual great job. And when you have an action movie, and you got a great villain. Of course, that make your movie that much better. But you know, like, action movies and stuff. You got to talk about comics. Kenny, we we gotta get your take on comics, because you, right, yeah. you know you love wrestling, you know we love video games. We got to talk about the comics. Yeah, I, do. Yeah, I like I like them all: anime, comics, video games. Well, well we got Kenny, a lot of pastime. Real quick, and, and this is a popular top popular topic, and and, and it's a Game Boy and a whole bunch of people. And, and big ups to our, our buddy Steve Anderson, owner of uh, Third Eye Comics, one of the best comic book stores that we just had. Batman yeah. or Superman, Kenny? Who do you prefer? Oh, damn. Oh. You know, okay, this is, oh, jeez. Like, if I'm if I'm reading, if I'm reading it, I prefer reading Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, oh, it's so tough. If it's like, if I'm watching, for example, like an animated movie, because DC's got some awesome animated movies. They're yeah, they so do. fucking good. They're they're like the things I look forward to the most in my year, when a DC movie comes is released. Uh, Superman and Batman are pretty much like equal in my opinion. Like Superman versus the Elite was so good. Um, yes, it Return was. of the Dark Knight was was one of my favorite movies of all time. Not just like as an animated movie, I felt it, man. That like resonated mm. within me. It's unbelievable. Mm. Especially that last um, scene when Joker zap out and just start just randomly running and shooting people. It's that nuts. scene, yeah, yeah, that scene yeah, like was just all like that. I was, I was a, yeah, like I remember seeing that comic, um, the mm-hmm. actual comic at the gas station, 
when I was like a, a young kid because I used to rollerblade to the gas station and buy my mom wow. a newspaper every yeah, Saturday. So, like, I was too I was too young to to get it back then. So for me to see like the adaptation <laughs> now, not knowing how it went, it's just unbelievable. Wow, unfreaking believable. It was it's perfect. So much emotion. It, it, I mean, me me personally, and I know I start a war because I've I've gotten wars with people verbally about uh, okay. comic books. I have a big comic book collection. I know anything Game Boy collection. Um, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm uh, all, all due respect to Christopher Reeves, you know, I grew up with, with Superman and, you know, Gene Hackman, but yep. I, I, I can't stand Superman. I, 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 I hear that a lot. <laughs> I, I hear it he, a lot. He's, he is, in Breaking News, by the way, saying that Kenny Omega um, agrees to it. Uh, I believe Pat Tanaka would not be able to join uh, some uh, something last minute came up, so we will uh, be bringing him back in. I, I can't stand Superman, the most unrealistic. He's impervious to everything. He's the John Cena of comic books. You know, super strength, super speed, the eyes and all this stuff. The new I know you probably Superman. didn't see it, but um, mm-hmm. the animated series uh, the animated series of Superman, I mean, he was his that powers was really picked down a lot. And it was that great. That was good. I, I will really give I, the, an, the animated series of Superman was good. I will give him that. But after Christopher Reeves went on to be of the Lord... Superman sucks. It, it, it was his point. It, it, oh, Superman. Same tights, little ass curl. He's so strong, he can't tell a woman how he feels. Yes, Tech is going on a rant. And, and, and now, and now you yeah, got have the same problem, still. though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like you're more realistic. You're realistic. And you got Man of Steel, which is Dragon Ball Z. About yeah. I don't know, two million people died in Metropolis. I'm sorry, Smallville. Captain's all yeah. like yelling for no apparent reason. And <laughs> Superman is British. So, so Superman went from being American to being British. He's an alien. Did. So that, that <laughs> you, you can't call you no know, any type of, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't hate British. Superman. I, I, just, I just prefer Batman. And, and big ups to... A couple uh, buddies of mine that hey, we have a lot of wars verbally with Superman, who's about a Superman or Batman. I always say this: out of money, out of media, who do you see Batman? Who's in them? De- Superman movies, uh, yeah, they didn't reboot it about eighteen times since Christopher Reeves. Batman broke <laughs> records. Batman needs to be with Superman so he can become relevant. And uh, I'll finish in the death. Uh, NFC Game Boy, get us Batman and Superman. Oh, okay. Since we got Kenny on, I want to ask this question. This has been the burning question of 2014. Okay. Ben Affleck, yes or no? Yeah. Yeah? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. You know what? You know what? I'll tell you why, hell yeah. Because, um, yeah, I watch a lot of movies, and I try not to bias, like, any one actor. Like, a lot of guys, they hate Tom Cruise, so they'll never watch his movies ever again, but... I think Tom Cruise has a lot of good movies, and I'll keep yeah. watching Tom Cruise movies, regardless of how wacky he is in his personal life. You know what I mean? He's been in the new Doctor Force movie. So um, a lot of people dislike Ben Affleck because of things like uh, Jiggly or whatever, or Giggly. <laughs> I can't even remember what, I what it's called. But um, yeah. you, If you watch some of his more recent stuff, like, for instance, The Town, I mean, he nailed Very it. Very good movie. Yeah. You know, and 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 I think he did he write and direct that movie. The guy's a goddamn genius. He did, he did. Yeah, so I mean, if this is like Ben Affleck of like 15 years ago or whatever, 
maybe there's cause to be worried, but I think he's got it. And I think he's actually going to show up jacked, too. That's just my opinion. Well, I think I he's going to be... Say... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go again. You go ahead. I was going to say, I think he might end up being the best, most physically in-shape Batman that we've seen on screen. And probably the most emotional. I really like uh, Christian Bale as like an actor. I mean, I loved like American Psycho and stuff like that. And then The Machinist was awesome. Yeah, um, great movie. But uh, yeah, I think Affleck's the way to go for sure. It's the way to go. I think a lot of people like someone on the internet will say, "Oh, Ben Affleck sucks. He's gay," and then they'll look <laughs> on the internet and they'll see that someone posted that and go, "Oh God, I have to agree with this guy, otherwise I'm gonna lose friends." You know? Yeah. Everyone's just like being a yes man. Fuck hey. that. He's going to be awesome. And me and Game Boys thought about this, and, and Kenny Omega, you'll agree. <clears throat> and had, we had to remind people, and yep. yes, man, you know, and if he Game Boy intact, we, we do have lives outside of wrestling, and we're into other things, <laughs> is that people got outraged. Oh, why been Affleck playing Batman? Oh, Christian Bale, you couldn't know. Oh, dude, do a little like a car. You can't even understand him. Yeah, now, true. But... remember a few years ago, when it was announced that, yep. God rest his soul, Heath Ledger was playing a Joker. Me and yep. the Game Boy's Joker was, was, was Jack Nicholson. To me, one of the greatest Jokers of all time. So when I first heard Heath Ledger was playing, I was like, wait a minute. The, the little little white actor from Sin Things I Hate About You, whatever it was. and Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, Brokeback Mountain. What the hell was he playing Joker? <laughs> I love Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson was all Joker. We're not old enough for the, you know, the Romero and the West Joker. But when yep. Keith Ledger played that role to this day, and on a woman mentioned Mark Hamill, because Mark Hamill was a great joker on the animated series, Keith Ledger did an awesome job. Great oh, job. He, he's, it's, so, it's become legendary. There's, he, yeah. he set the bar too high. So like, this nobody wants to made, Because of Heath Ledger's Joker, I think it made Batman not just a good superhero movie, it made it just like a really good movie. You know what I mean? Like you can't say that right. like the Dark Knight was a good superhero movie. It just was really good as a movie, and a lot of that was because of the way he what Heath Ledger brought to the table. So um, yeah, I think, and I think it goes to show you like if the actor really devotes himself to the role and isn't just taking a paycheck, you know they can do some some unbelievable things. And I think Affleck is one of those guys, and when he's got passion for something like for directing and when he wrote The Town, things like that, um, mm-hmm. it becomes a masterpiece. So yeah. I think he's probably going to take Batman just as seriously, I think. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. We just got to wait and see. It, it, real, yeah. it, real quick, real quick, Kenny, honorable mention, uh, if you want to watch a bad 80s action movie, you know the American Ninja series with Michael Dudikoff and um I know it. Yeah, 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 I definitely know it. Try to get a hold of American Ninja 5. Oh damn! The D words. It went. It went up to five. Yes, it does. We we actually we, I, we I actually. I seriously thought it ended at three. I I, I, I we we will personally, Kenny, try try to, and we'll we'll talk off air after the show. Um, this week, we'll, we will personally try to send you American Ninja Five. It is one of the worst action movies with ninjas in history. Is it like, but worst, but best at the same time, right? Yes, that, that's it's what so I'm, bad. I'm it's hoping good. for, yeah. Constant, there's a movie. You know, yes, it's, it's, it's so bad. There's a movie that my buddy found in Japan, and uh, 
I, it was called like Karate Tiger or something. But the actual the actual title was No Retreat, No Surrender. Unbelievable. I mean, it's it's probably considered like the cheesiest like B movie. It's like one of Van Damme's first. It might even be his first That's movie. He was, the first, he was a villain. He was the, the villain. At the That's end. right. Yes, he was. Yes, yeah, he was. I, I remember that movie. Actually, the I saw it like a year, a year ago. Actually, on cable. What no, did you think, did? honestly? It is it, very cheesy. It, it, very it, cheesy, it, but I thought it was it, incredible. It, it was the fight scenes were weren't that bad, but you know, for its time. But the yeah. dialogue is what dragged it down. Cause, I you think know, the dialogue is what made it awesome. <laughs> you think dialogue? Ooh, okay. Like I mean, the the some of the cheesy jokes, the cheesy one-liners. Oh man, like. It was one of my. It's when it, when I'm in the mood to watch like those little action movies, that's like the standard that I'm looking for. It's got to have like that kind of cheesy sort of dialogue, you know, the sort of inspirational training scene, and then like mm-hmm. the big fight at the end, like the last boss kind of deal. It doesn't get much better than that for oh, me. So you're anyway. a fan of Army of Darkness, also. Uh yeah, well, I, I mean family. yeah, definitely, definitely, that's, like stuff yeah, like that. Like I I love. Best cheesy line. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure, for sure. Homie Donis is great. Big, big up to Bruce Campbell too. Speaking yeah, of training and motive, speaking of training and motivation, Kenny, and, and yep. you know, if you have a few more minutes, Kenny, we'd like to keep you on for a little bit if that's fine. Uh, sure. Rocky Four. The, 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 yeah. The, in my in my opinion. The the best training montage, one of the best, if not the best training montages in history of movies and cinema. It's, it's not everybody one of the likes best. It. You watch the movie for the training montages. I'll have to disagree with you. It's not one of the best training montages. It think it's is the best? the best training montage <laughs> by <laughs> far. <laughs> it's it's sure. yeah. The training is unbelievable. The whole soundtrack. It's like the best movie soundtrack of all time. It I is. don't know. I can't think of anything more inspirational listening to the Rocky IV soundtrack. I really can't. My, like, sort of like one of my dreams is for somebody. It could be just some guy, a fan, some sort of big production company, is to put together, like, something of that quality, whether it to be, like, to my matches or, like, a training montage or something. I'd feel like my time on this this earth was was well spent, but uh, yeah, it's and, the, and not not just the training part either. I mean, I love the actual movie too. It's it's great. It's my favorite Rocky of all time, easily. It is. So, uh, do you, Kenny? Do you uh, are you like a lot of the Rocky fans that act like Rocky Five never happened? Uh no. You know what? It's uh in. As a whole, the movie wasn't that good, but you know what? As being a, a professional wrestler and having, like, a ton of injuries and, like, really feeling it creep up on you, not only in your, like, your back and your shoulders and, and like, your joints and in your head, um, I really felt that opening scene where Rocky realized that he was getting punch drunk. It was It was scary for me to see that because... There are times, you know, when I find myself stumbling over my words or forgetting things, and it's like, mm-hmm. damn, like, you take that kind of punishment day in and day out, and it just, that's, it happens, and you have to make a dramatic life change. 
I'm just plugging away, you know, and trying to be safe as I can uh, right now. But after seeing that scene and seeing, like, how Rocky did something so inspirational in the fourth movie, you know, it, it's just inevitable that eventually you break down and everybody breaks down. So to see that, that beginning section of five was, like, hit me hard. Yeah. It really did. I mean, the rest of it, I don't know, whatever. You know, it's just kind of like whatever. It's sort of like I loved, I like the beginning scene. Uh, I sort of think they, they overplayed um, them getting fucked over by the 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 guy or whatever that somehow oh, took all their assets and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I like I like I like the last scene where he says "sue me for what." <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I like it where he uppercuts someone to like the car hood. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, it was. It's sort of like a an air sandwich. You know, the two pieces of bread at the beginning and end were good, but then there's like nothing in the middle. <laughs> sure. It's really forgettable, you know. <laughs> but I'll never forget the "sue me for what." I don't know. It's a good one-liner. One of yeah. Stallone's best. I always kind of wanted to it, say that in real life, to be honest. And, and, and big ups to, to the thermal tops, because ever since that, I uh, wanted to wear thermal tops. <laughs> Even <Barack> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know how. Yeah, he you know, sort of always had, like, uh, big fashion statements in the Rocky movies. I think he did it on purpose. Yeah, he, he did. He did. Um Fantasy Game Boy, uh, you got you got any more questions real quick before we move on to wrestling before we let Kenny go? Oh, yeah. Well, one one more question I want to have, and this is, of course, about wrestling. Now that, yeah. you're, now that you're associated with New Japan and everything, we know that you're going yeah. through your transformation of being one of the most recognizable wrestlers in the business. Have your goal of being the best. Have it have it changed, have it wavered, have it you know, with you being with your family right now and it being quiet time right now, you know, yeah. sometimes on your goal to, to for perfection or being the best or being who you supposed to be, you know, you you lose track, you know, you fall off the road, you stumble. Do you think that you finally came to that that revelation or do you think it's just it's more to go, you know, it's it's still chapters to write? That's a good question, a very good question. Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, it's been a long journey to get to where I am now. I felt like I was ready for the New Japan step in, like, 2010, if we're going to be honest. But for whatever reason, you know, things happen. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm, like, a real big believer in destiny or not. I mean, who knows? But, uh, you know, things did happen that I'm glad did happen if I wasn't, if I was in New Japan from 2010 on, I wouldn't have been able to main event at Budokan, which is crazy. And I was able to like just go and and literally put everything, lay everything on the line against Ibushi in a singles. Um, I wouldn't have been able to wrestle against the nine-year-old. You know what I mean? That happened after 2010. And these are all things that really helped my career. So, or at least, you know, the storybook that is my life, I'm glad I could look back and say, like, you know, I did that and I did that. And it just tested me not only as like a wrestler, but kind of as a as a human being too. You know, they're like, I'm glad that nothing was really handed to me. I think a lot of guys you'll see them pop up in New Japan or any any promotion, and the only reason why they're there is because the company made a deal with another company to bring them out. 
And it's like, okay, this is the deal. You come in, here's the title, have fun, you know, and then whatever. When it's over, just get get the fuck out. And then that guy will leave and say, like, hey, I won the title. I was the best. But, you know, no, you weren't. You know what I mean? I want to be able to say that, you know, I worked hard for everything and that when people look back on my time in Japan, you know, they can say that, you know, it was worthwhile and it was memorable. And I wasn't one of those guys that just kind of like here today, gone tomorrow type deals. And that's sort of the reason why I haven't pursued WWE or TNA or whatever. Um, I don't want to leave any stone unturned in Japan. I want to, like, finish it doing as much as I can, you know, while I'm healthy. And then once it's done, you know, maybe something else. But for now, you know, I feel like I've done everything I can with DDT and outside of DDT. And really the only thing left for me now to do in Japan is, like as a wrestler, is to be in the biggest promotion there and succeed. And I feel like I'm ready for it. So, I mean, there's been, I've really given everything, like everything in my life to be somewhat of a success in Japan. Um, you know, time with my family, you know, giving up relationships, everything's, you know, crumbled and fallen apart. I've missed a lot of important events of, you know, friends and whatever, deaths and all that. Just horrible things that have happened while I've been away. Um, and uh, I guess it was all for the dream, you know, all for this mission that I've had for about six years now. And I think with the New Japan thing, it's like the final step. And to do like, you know, the biggest things I can do, whether it be as like a junior or a junior and then moving up. I don't know, but I'm just make it as big as I can while I'm there. And I hope to be like, you know, what one of the junior guys, like I want to be kind of like when people that are really young watching New Japan now, when they grow up, I want to say, I want to hope to be like a dynamite kid type of reference or like Stan Hansen, you know, right. that's sort of my goal. Yeah. Now, well, you want to write the right thing. Yeah, you are. And, and we, we, we had confidence in you, and you've you always been one of our favorite performers. And <clears throat> we thought this way before we even thought about this show, you know, before the show was even a, a thought, you know, before you even came to fruition. We always thought you were great. We even told, um, you know, told some people, hey, you know, Kenny Omega's great, man. He did a. Hadouken, man, he's a great guy. You know, he does a lot of great <laughs> moves. And you had, you know, like you said, your repertoire was your repertoire was wide. You know, it wasn't just the same old five, six moves. And, oh, Kenny Omega, you know what he's going to do. You know, shoulder block, shoulder block, clothesline, or he's going to do a backflip. You, you you had a lot of different <laughs> matches, which which brought variety um, to it, which, you know, uh, winds your fan base the way if you like crazy matches, you know, nine-year-old kids getting, uh, you know, wrestling outside in the park or blow up the hole or what have you. You can watch it if you like actual, like, you know, more traditional wrestling with Ring of Honor matches that you've done before in the past or whatever, you can watch you. So we always well, we thought it was great. Well, thank you uh, very much for that. Thank you. Real quick, if, if you don't hey, mind you talking. Yeah, you have. You, you, have. You, don't mind, you don't mind briefly talking. You, you went developmental in WWE. Um, if you yeah, for yeah. a few minutes, uh, talk to us about, you know, if people don't know about how it was for you in developmental in WWE. Who who you with? 
How how did you like the training? Um, what was your thoughts of WWE before and after? Um, you, you before and after, it. yeah. Um, I w- yeah, good, very good question. I had actually went to a camp uh, trying out to be a student for Pro Wrestling Noah, which is a Japanese promotion out in Japan, and it just turned out. I'm trying to make a long story short that instead of going to Japan, I was scouted by WWE instead by John Laurinaitis or Johnny Ace, however however you guys know him as. Um, and I really did want to go to Japan, but I thought, you know, this is, I was the only guy chosen by WWE, and, I mean, it's a great opportunity, and I'd be just an idiot to pass it up, so I should try. I didn't even know who was, like, in WWE at the time. I knit, I hadn't watched it in forever. The only wrestling I had watched were, you know, DVDs I had, I had bought online for, like, Japanese promotions and stuff. That was the only stuff I was keeping in touch with. So, Whatever you know, everybody, all the American guys want to be part of WWE, and I thought I should, I should probably strive for the same goal. That's where the money is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'd convince myself at least. So uh, I went there, and it was like really like grueling physical training. Wow. Like it's like it, we were we were training to be like MMA fighters. We weren't really training to be professional wrestlers, but because of that, I actually liked it. I enjoyed it. Because that's the kind of training I like to do. Um, okay. A lot of people hated it, and they actually use that. They say that that was one of the worst parts of the experience of being in Deep South was because the training was not really applicable to wrestling, and just it was just like too grueling. Uh, but I, not really. I mean, I didn't. I didn't really want to wrestle and take bumps in training. I, I'm. I've always been a, the kind of guy that hated falling for no reason. I mean, why do it? I don't. I hate doing stuff like that. It just hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd rather do like a, a bajillion push-ups and like squats and stuff instead. At least I feel like I'm getting stronger and faster and things like that. You know, I feel like I'm actually doing something like positive rather than just doing damage on myself for no reason in front of no one. Yeah. Uh, but you know, a lot of wrestlers they're they're the opposite. They'd rather just practice like matches and moves and stuff like in their in their off time. Uh, but anyway, um, the problem with Deep South for me was that there was sort of like a, a group, I guess it was like a clique sort of, that were in tight with a boss, and they would always like go out and like drink and have barbecues and stuff. And when WWE would say, okay, who are the guys we should look at? The boss, you know, Bill DeMott would say, you know, I want you to look at this guy and this guy and this guy. And, of course, they're all his buddies that he hangs out with on the weekend. And, you know, here I am, uh, trying as hard as I can. Most of the time, one of the only guys that can even finish the drills. And I'm running some of them two or three times because other people are dropping out, thinking that hard work pays off. And then it didn't. So it was just, like, really deflating, you know? It was just it was really discouraging. So that when other people and agents would come... I would submit to them, like, storyline ideas, because I just wanted to get out of there. I thought if I could walk down that aisle just one time on Raw or SmackDown or whatever, on Shotgun Saturday night, uh, <laughs> I'm going okay. <laughs> to say, like, oh, it was worth it. It was worth all this. So I kind of, like, hung on to that hope for a little while. And the guy that I was kind of in communication with, he got fired. Um, so I just thought like, oh, well, there goes my hope. You know, it's back to the same old, same old with no silver lining. And, 
I started to kind of like look for other options. So I was contacting like All Japan Pro Wrestling and stuff like that. Right. And uh, yeah, I just felt like, you know, if I'm not happy here, I should go to where I am happy and I can at least use this experience to get me somewhere else. So it looked like I was going to head to All Japan straight out of developmental and then that fell through. So I don't know. It it was like suddenly I had just no wrestling job. And I was actually going to uh, retire from wrestling altogether. But mm. something kept wow. me in it. Yeah, That's actually, I, I say something kept me in it, but uh, as simple as it sounds, um, what was meant to be my last match, uh, I wrestled AJ Styles in a singles match. He was the reason why I decided to uh, keep going with it. Big ups to AJ Styles. Yeah, big ups to AJ, man. Yeah, yeah. He was just like, I just sort of felt like, wow, you know, there are like freak athletes, you know, guys that are just in incredible shape and are fun to, actually fun to wrestle, you know, and have like the same kind of like outlook on, on matches as I do. So maybe I shouldn't give it up just yet. So I gave it like one more run on the indies. And next thing you know, I mean, here I am. Hmm. Well, we're glad yeah, you that's say. That's that's why I decided to come up with a video game shtick. It's because like I'm just gonna give one more run in the Indies and be myself, have fun. We're glad and you can like, resume game. It, yeah, man, you done wonderful. Yeah. yeah, you have, and that's that's good. And it's just sad that um, WWE, um, you know, didn't see your see your talent or show say they they saw your talent, but you didn't want to use it um, to the next level. And it said, I think that. You will be great for them to bring something different. No, 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 not to WWE. We do know of we are, you know, friends and cool with some former workers and people that still have ties with them. But just something fresh, and that's what we really wrestling needs now. Something new, something fresh, something in these a variety. You know, in these uh, difference. Like it was in the '80s. You know, where, you know, you had this. You had your yeah. Dick Murdochs who were big, and your Dusty Rhodes, and you had your Flares, and you had your Stings, and you had your Road Warriors, and the Russians, and then you had, you know, your Ron Basses and your Bret Hart's, and you, you know, you could, you had a variety of, of characters, and you know, everybody can look at and talk different. Yeah. Yeah. Pat, Pat Tanaka, you go. To him. Good buddy, yeah, to, you sure. know, good, good buddy of ours. Um, real quick, who 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 trained you? You know, Bill Demott trained you. Who else? Um. Trained you was it was it Rip Rogers was it Dr. Tom Pritchard was it um, who 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 helped mainly train you during that time? It was Dave Taylor actually, and um, oh man, yeah, like I would guy. say, you know, Bill did a lot of the um, the calisthenics and stuff like that, conditioning training. He was in charge of all that, um, but the actual wrestling training was Dave Taylor, and my God, like he. I was never, I never really valued like basics and things like that. Back then, I didn't. I just always, you know, was sort of. I was into like pro wrestling, no, in, in the year two thousand stuff, where it was just like false finish, you know, just mayhem every match. So I really only, you know, thought about the the how are we going to end the match on like that huge high note. So Dave Taylor really like hammered away, you know, the basics and the stuff that I needed. Not just like in the big move section, but like, you know, the in-between stuff and the beginning stuff and the middle stuff. Um, you know, he taught a lot of holds that people don't really use, you know, that, that are used like in, you know, where um, in the UK and things like that. Uh, he, I would say if I didn't, 
train with him and use what I learned there, I wouldn't have been able to keep up with a lot of the guys that were wrestling in the American Indies and in like the UK Indies and stuff like that. So, yeah, the rest, the actual wrestling training when I was with Dave Taylor was awesome. Uh, and we had guests and stuff too, like uh, William Regal came in a couple times. Uh, Malenko would come in. Uh, Benoit would come in. It was, uh, yeah, we always had a lot of guests. Um, Dr. Death came in at one point too. Hardcore Holly came in to kick our ass a couple times. It was all, it was all, it was all good learning though. Real quick, is it true with the rumors of him being a bully? Is is that true? Uh, oh, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um, I I he I don't know what the guy's problem. He's just like grumpy. But uh, he needs a hug. <laughs> he needs yeah, a hug. I mean, like he he. I remember one time he got mad at, at uh, he got mad at one of the guys and he kept punching him in the face, like on a lockup. He would purposely, you know, it's like a collar and elbow tie up or whatever. Right. But instead of doing like the collar, it was like punching the nose elbow tie up. And uh, one time we were doing this this uh, drill, and I had run it uh, two times with some guy because I was one of the only guys that could take a drop kick and go over the top rope. Um, so Hardcore Holly was like, okay, I want you to do this drill with me to show everybody how you do it. So Hardcore Holly goes to give me his drop kick, like the Hardcore Holly drop kick, and uh, he, he destroyed me with it. So... I couldn't really get over. I got like I tried to go over the top rope and I got sort of stuck in the ropes. Mm-hmm. So he got so pissed off because I guess he was embarrassed that you know my part of the example was fucked. So he got up and he just took my head off with like a face clothesline. And uh, yeah, I mean it was stuff like that. Like he'd punch guys in the face. He'd clothesline me in the face, and everyone's all bleeding and stuff. If you fucked up in a drill, he'd come up from behind you and do like rear naked chokes and stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's weird, man. It was like it was kind of scary. It's like, yeah, it's like what kind of Bob Holly we were gonna get? Everyone was always hoping because he always showed up late too. So we would there would always be like an eerie silence. Like, oh my god, please tell me he's stuck in traffic or he's just not gonna show up today. And then like <laughs> ten minutes would go by and then he would walk in and he would just be pissed off. You know, like everyone, it you just felt the morale drop. But so yeah, he was the that, evil that was Bob He's the real life yeah, evil Yeah, I think Ryu. so, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Real, real quick, uh, before I let you go one more minute, uh, let us know your best match you've had so far and your worst match that you've had. Oh, man. Oh, well... My, oh, I've had so many different kinds of matches that, like, I think my my favorite match where I I thought that I really laid it all out, like, just gave it everything I had, was uh, that, like, 40-minute match I had with Ibushi at Budokan. It sort of meant a lot to me, like, personally. It wasn't the most fun match that I've had in my career. I could name, like, a bajillion other matches that were, like, super fun and stuff that people would say were a match of the year or whatever, match of the night. But to me, personally, to make it to that point in main event Budokan was was really important. Um, Worst match, it's unfortunate that I don't think it's ever going to be seen, but there's, like, a Californian 
uh, promotion type thing. It was called like Wrestle, Wrest, uh, Wrestling Revolution or Wrestling Retribution Project or something like that. It was supposed to be sort of like a WWE alternative. Really big funded, like cool sort of next level wrestling type thing. And everyone had uh, a deep storyline. Everyone had their own character. Like I was um, Scott Carpenter, uh, the cornerstone Scott Carpenter. And I'd met this guy, and, and everybody on the first few episodes got like an enhancement guy to work with. And I'd met this dude, and he said, oh, please pick me to be like your enhancement guy. I know all your stuff. I watched all your matches. I think you're like the greatest. Like, let's work together and have a great one. I said, oh, geez, well, thanks for the kind words. And uh, let's, yeah, let's have a good one. And it was like one of those times where I could have just wrestled against no one, air, you know, and it would have been a more entertaining match. It was like when you wrestled, I could have like, I could have just pulled a guy off the street and had a better wrestling match than with this guy. And we had to, like, we had to cut the camera so many times because he was just out to lunch. Um, and it was just the, one of the most embarrassing times of my life when I had begged uh, the agent or whatever. It was Tommy Dream. I was like, please tell me we can shoot it again. And um, they they'd refused or whatever. And I saw the guy from time to time in California, like in other promotions, and he was he's a really nice guy, really friendly and stuff, but it was just a, a goddamn train wreck. So there was like a lot of, you know, phantom clotheslines and like headbutts to the groin and stuff like that, like unintentional. It was just like watching like a Three Stooges episode. It was really bad. Oh, man. Well, yeah. Kenny Omega, we thank you much. The fans... If you if you listening now live, or you gonna listen to archive autos on PWP Radio. Listen on ProWrestlingPowerhouse dot com. Listen on Blog Talk Radio, backslash PWP Radio. This is an exclusive. This is a rare moment that you're witnessing. We have the great Kenny Omega. He only does one episode a year, which is like Christmas or the Undertaker's match each year, however you want to call it. <laughs> we have him here. Live, live, live. He not only gave us an hour, but gave us extra time, overtime. Kenny Omega, since you like video games, this is DLC content right here. Got extra. Yeah, it is, yeah. With Kenny Omega. Actually, this deal. the extra time comes in because I felt like we we talked about so little wrestling, I had to make up for it. Uh, it, it, it that, that's the great thing about our show, NC Game Boy. Under the Matt Radio, we talk about wrestling, video games, comic books, movies, some everything. That's why we're blessed to have the show that we have, and everybody. Tends There's to a lot going on that just in the ring, yeah. You know? And we want, we yeah. want those so through, yeah. We want these shows that we do. When you come on under the mat, we want we want the wrestlers and the fans to know that you do have a life outside the ring. When the bell tones and one, two, three, you get up, you go in the back. You know, you have a life. I mean, you have hobbies, you have interests. Yeah, barely, have, but yeah, I got something going on for me. I yeah, guess. You, you know, you got <laughs> one last thing I want you to do. And yeah. I, I I need you to do this. I want you to yell out Hadouken one time for our fans <laughs> so they can all hear the Kenny Omega show Hadouken. Level three. Uh, uh, level three. Ultra combo finish. <laughs> 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 so they know. Give it one time, Kenny. One time? One time, baby. All one right, time. Yeah, okay, you ready for it? 
We're ready. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll give it everything I fucking got. It's going to be, I'm going to summon it all up from the inside of the pit of my gut. Do you need me, do you need me to count wait. you down? All right. I'm going to put myself in a mad situation. Here we go. All right. Here all right. we go. Give me a count, yeah, give, give me a countdown or something. All right. Three, okay. two, one. Go. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That was great. Yeah. That was great. Great, man. Great. great. There you have it. Well, Kenny, thank you much. Uh, real quick, anything uh, you want to go ahead and plug in case any uh, fans or listeners of me want to get in, try to get in contact with yeah. you, watch your man. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, brother. I mean, uh, I, I don't have like uh, any sort of official website or anything, but. Um, a lot of my stuff's on YouTube. A lot of my stuff's on Daily Motion. Uh, PWG Wrestling, some of the greatest wrestling on the planet, bar none. Uh, they just came out with their um, Bola Battle of Los Angeles nights one, two, and three. I'm really proud of all those matches. Please pick up those DVDs. Uh, uh, I I got a YouTube channel, um, which isn't really used for much of anything except for me uploading a couple of my Street Fighter matches, uh, <laughs> but. I'm hoping to get some, uh, hoping to do some kind of webcast of some sort in the near future, and yeah. it's probably going to be just like this show. It's going to be a lot of a lot of game talk, a lot of game playing, and just like everything with very little relation to wrestling. But yeah, uh, that's something I got in the works. So um, really, there's nothing done right now, but uh, just just support PWG, support New Japan, support Japanese wrestling, and support uh me doing some scrubs online in Street Fighter Four. So <laughs> in, Hold in on, PlayStation or Xbox. Uh, but while while looking like a scrub in the process. <laughs> PlayStation or Xbox. Which one do you got? Oh uh, right now I'm I'm on Playstation. I know Xbox is a better version what from what I hear, but I've always just been a Sony guy, so yeah. Okay. I'm on I'm on PS three right now. I haven't got a PS four yet, but you know uh shit! What is my name on there? I think it's just Kenny underscore Omega for my PlayStation okay. ID. Every, folks, if you if you come past Kenny slash or back was it that was it backslash down slash? Uh, oh, I think it's uh, the underscore. Sorry, underbar. Or underscore. Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Kenny underscore K underscore Omega. If you come across him, be careful because he can only beat you in a game. He'll beat you in real life. Exactly. And don't be afraid to add me. I mean, if you you guys, uh, (laughs) if anybody out there is a decent player and they're up for like a lobby or whatever, I mean, hook it up. I'm willing to take on anybody of any skill level. Is this all for fun? You know, I'm always looking for uh, good players out there. I'm just looking to learn. So, please add me. We can online. It's all good. And Kenny, when you when your show when when your web show start up, you know we talk off air. Please set us up. We'll help support it. We'll help promote you. Oh, you please do. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's know. a work in progress, but it's something I definitely want to do. So. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, That's Kenny. We thank you much for your time. Uh, you know we'll we'll be talking off air throughout the week about a couple of things upcoming. And thank you much for your time. And if you game, you, you go ahead and end it off. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Okay, have a good one, guys. You do the same. Bye-bye. All right. See you. Everybody, that was the great 
Kenny Omega, currently wrestling for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Great interview we've had with him, regular and DLC content. To let everybody know, in a couple minutes, we will have also the great Melissa Coates, professional bodybuilder, former WWE talent, will be joining us. So here under the Matt Radio, of course, we're live, live, live. And, of course, NXT mm-hmm. Game Boy says it better. Man, you already know what it is, what it is. Yeah. Wow, this is. This has been a fantastic show, ladies and gentlemen. Tech, I, I, once again, we set the bar just as high. A, a great wrestler, a great talent, a guy who, who who's very encouraging, who's very inspirational, who loves comic books and video games and wrestling and <clears throat> You know, I I hope the best for his career. And day day e, y'all fucked up, man. Y'all y'all dropped the ball on that one. That that yeah. boy got skills. He got he got he got driving ambition, and sometimes that's a lot better than just some mic skills and stuff. You know, and and check out the YouTube uh, video that Tech has put up with him wrestling the nine year old girl. Very very funny stuff. Under the man radio. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I I looked at the video. I haven't seen the video. I heard about it, but I didn't see it until um, I looked it up before the show. And I was just cracking up laughing, like, man, he's a funny dude. Like, you know, but it, it was entertaining. And for a company that claims they want to be, or a company that claims they want to be for entertainment, you know, you couldn't get any entertaining than that. And yeah, just, it was just a great segment. Okay, real, real quick, we want to give a big mention to a couple of people that do support Under the Mat Radio. Big up mm-hmm. to my buddy, uh, former college buddy, Tia Torrance. want to show her out and her company, Visions of Hope Incorporated, non-private organization. Please support mm-hmm. these people, her her friends. Thank they you. are a mentoring program, mentoring organization that focuses on empowering and uplifting and supporting young girls between the ages of 10 years old to 18. Please Check this out. You can contact Tia and Visions of Hope Incorporated at www.visionsofhopeinc.org. We will post the link up on Under the Mat Radio. We do thank you, Tia, for your support of Under the Mat Radio. Definitely much. Please also do not forget, Rage for Wrestling will be live, live, live. This coming Saturday, Hanover, PA, October 18th. Tech, Undersea Game Boy will be there live. Also at that show will be ECW Originals, the Blue Meanie. Also ECW Originals, the Sandman. You will also see Rage Heavyweight Champion Robbie Illuminati, Brad Walker, Riot City, the Great Tag Team, the Bruce, and many more. With that being said, we will bring in now the lovely Melissa Coates, our next guest. She's a professional bodybuilder, <laughs> former WWE talent. Welcome to Under the Mat Radio. Hi, thanks for having me. How are you guys hey, doing? It's been a great interview so far. I was listening to your interview, Kenny. He was actually at Peak South when I was there. Just an amazing wrestler. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. But listen, yeah, Kenny if, was great. If you don't mind, since ironically you was with Kenny um, in the WWE Developmental, if you could real quick um, share your experience of uh, working with WWE during that developmental program. Well, Deep South, yeah, it was very, very intense training, like Kenny had said. Um, <laughs> you know, we had to do a lot of squats and um, sit-ups and just all kinds of extra stuff. Bill DeMont was quite the taskmaster <laughs> master when it came to that. Um, 
you know, some, some people would be really tired out. Like it would make it hard for them to go and lift weights later on. But, you know, as far as I know, I think it's even more difficult down in Florida. I have friends who are signed down there right now. And I think it's, I think it's even harder for them. So um, I know some people's experiences at Deep South, you know, they had a hard time dealing with the, the extra sort of physical training on top of, you know, the several hours of wrestling a day. Uh, but, you know, it was all for a purpose. A lot of times things are, are made to be as difficult as that to weed out the people who are going to stick with it or love it enough to stick with it and the people who aren't going to, you know, love it enough to to go through that type of experience. Um, uh, and we we did. We had um, Bill DeMott with the main trainer. Dr. Tom came in there at the end. I think maybe Kenny was uh, had left at that point. Um, but yeah, um, Hardcore Holly came in. Dr. Death, uh, Stevens was there quite a bit. Williams, I mean, Dr. Death was there quite a, a bit. And, you know, it, it, it was very different from OBW. I, I had been at the developmental at Ohio Valley as well when Mickey James was there, Beth Phoenix, Jillian Hall, Melina, um, girls like that when they were there. And it, it was very different from that. Rip Rogers was our main trainer at Ohio Valley. And, and he was more difficult in the fact of doing a lot of drills, like a lot of drills, not so much the, the squatting and the extra sit-ups and push-ups and stuff like that. Bill DeMont was more more into a lot of the extra sort of squatting and push-up, et cetera, et cetera, sort of thing. So, so they were, they were, they were different. OVW was very different from Deep South. And I imagine both of those, um, both of those former developmentals are, you know, from what I, I hear are, are quite different from the performance center that, uh, you know, everyone's currently involved in now. I mean, I enjoyed it at the time I, I worked with Luke Gallows who had a gimmick called the freaking geek in it. Freaking geek. It was the freaking deacon. At the time, that's what uh, uh, Drew was doing, who I guess most people know him as uh, Luke Gallows or Doc Impact. Um, we were doing a, um, kind of an interesting scenario together and, and worked a program with G, G. Rillo's George Murdoch or um, Brodus Clay. That's that's what he went with at uh, WWE. So. You know, I, I'm I'm still friendly with quite a few people from the promotion. I keep in touch with a lot of them. It was good times. They were both, you know, OVW was definitely different from Deep South. And like I said, I, I'm I, from what I hear, those they're both extreme, you know, completely different from from the performance center. But I, I have good memories of it. It was fun. You know, we would do some kind of interesting things on Fridays. You know, Bill DeMott would come up with some uh, kind of interesting things for us to do. Kind of, uh, I guess you would like to rib us all by having us do somewhat bizarre things sometimes on Fridays, which I probably won't get into a lot of detail about. But um, <laughs> uh, good memories, I guess is what I'll say. <laughs> Interesting yeah. memories, good memories. <laughs> I'm gonna turn it over to my co-host, uh, NFC Game Boy. Well, love, yeah, I want to ask you this question: uh, What's you going through? all the developmental stuff and, and everything, and you being at the point of your career, what is the next uh, obstacle or hurdle that you think you've encountered now that's been giving you trouble or been making you feel like, you, you know, you haven't reached your full potential? Oh, well, I completely feel like I never reached my full potential while I was at developmental. Um, oddly enough, right now, I'm, I'm getting better bookings and making more money on the independent scene than I ever have, which to me seems 
a little, you know, I wouldn't expect that. Typically, I wouldn't expect that, but I, things are actually going really, really well for me. Um, when I was at the belt, you know, the, the, the trick with, um, uh, you know, the, the WWE working within that business is it's just, you know, it can be such a crapshoot. It's just, it's just, you know, a lot of it's a matter of, of timing. You know, sometimes people may be, um, it's very competitive, I guess is, is the word for it. Sometimes, you know, it's, uh, I guess the, the thing is just trying to keep a lot of people happy when there's just a lot of different undercurrents or egos or things like that going on. You know, you have to learn to be a real diplomat. Uh, I think nowadays the main thing to do is just really focus on delivering and doing your job. You know, they have certain things they want from from people, and it's a very high-stress business. You you know, you need to try to get along with everyone. Um, one day someone might be, you know, in the VIP's eyes, be considered gold. The next day maybe they do something that they don't like this person, and if you're still friends with this person, you end up with a backlash. So it's, it's just a lot of different undercurrents going on that you have to be aware of and try to navigate through, which can be pretty pretty difficult. I think nowadays, from the sounds of it, if you just focus properly on delivering and doing your job, you know, uh, things can be better for you. I think, you know, say like six, seven years ago, you know, it's a little more cliquish, I guess I would call it. I think nowadays, as long as, you know, you're producing and coming through with, with what the people on top want, then they're happy. I think a lot of people can just kind of keep to themselves nowadays without necessarily a lot of um, to being friends with the right people. I mean, that always helps. I think maybe nowadays it's a little less important, uh, whereas it's it's better just to, to focus on your job and maybe you can be a little quieter. I mean, some people can get in trouble for being a little quieter, you know, that comes across differently, but uh, there's just a lot of things to navigate. It's even hard to a certain extent to answer that question because, you know, unless you're Vince McMahon or Triple H or someone at the top, sometimes you don't necessarily know what the negatives end up being. Well, you just thing, you have to, to hope you can get through it. <laughs> sure. uh, we do have a caller. Um, welcome, are you cold? Four four three to Under the Mat Radio with Melissa Coates. Hello. And he, he just dropped. Um, caller, if you the can. Caller the caller hung up. <laughs> yeah, he just hung up. Nice. So, I had um. Yeah, it was a prank call. <laughs> okay. But, um, <laughs> Hopefully it yeah, hopefully not. I, I, I guess the person just had bad luck with their service, <laughs> with their phone service. Hope they don't got sorry, Sprint. <laughs> Say it again, MCU. I'm sorry, what was that? I said I hope they don't have Sprint. Sprint has been I, I, I actually have Sprint, so I'm, like, so I'm, I. I'm happy our reception is good. <laughs> no. Sprint, Sprint keeps me pretty happy so far, so I have no complaints to make. But um, but yeah, when I said OBW, it was it was it was quite different from Deep South as well. Um, you know, we had Dr. Tom come through there. There was Bill DeMott would actually come through there and do some training with us. You know, uh, Dean Milenko. A lot of times, I didn't notice this so much at Deep South when um, you know, uh, guys from TV were injured. They would be sent to OBW to to get back up to step for television. Like Edge ended up. Uh, I can't remember what injury he had, but. Uh, you know, Chavo Guerrero was there just to get uh, some ring work in before returning to TV and, and Edge. Like, this was 2003, 2005 when I was there. Poor Edge came down and ended up getting re-injured. He ended up with a new injury while he was at OVW, so that was horrible for him. But 
Mm. You know, we had just a, a lot of, uh, of big names and big stars coming through OVW more so than we had a Deep South. Okay. You know, Jim Cornette used to do the TV there. Paul Heyman ended up taking over television um, after Jim Cornette left. Um, you know, there's a... Um, I think there was probably more of the, the bigger stars coming through OVW than actually went through Deep South. But, you know, Deep South only existed, I think, for about a year and a half before it got shut down. And then everything moved down to um, Tampa. And then from there, it moved to Orlando to where it currently is. If you um, if you can, Melissa, you're a professional bodybuilder. Um uh-huh. Give us a give us a journey of how did you get to um, bodybuilding and what it takes to become a professional bodybuilder as opposed to an amateur. Okay, well, amateur is really, you know, for well, how I started with that, I actually was um, a really good tennis player. I I, I was the Mid Canada Junior Girls Champion when I was uh, a teenager, and I really I always liked to be really strong and powerful, so I started lifting weights to train for tennis, and I ended up getting really strong. I had a really good bench press. At my best, I could bench 215 pounds. Like, I had a really strong bench press. So I did a lot of bench pressing competitions. And then from there, I eventually pushed it into getting into bodybuilding, which involves, you know, training your your body symmetrically so you develop every uh, muscle, body part uh, symmetrically. It's like, you know, it's just a, a certain look. Um, when you look at top pro bodybuilders, you know, certain muscles are, uh, it's symmetry. It's like each muscle is going to be developed to a certain extent so that the body all flows in a certain way. And that involves, you know, a different sort of training, maybe not so much for strength, but training for muscle size, more more about repetitions, which is how many times you lift a weight. And a lot of it also involves eating, you know, eating several times a day, feeding the muscle at the same time while you're feeding the muscle, not eating so much that you get heavy. So a lot of that involves weighing your food and, you know, eating few every few hours because your body will digest only so much food every few hours and it will turn that food, if you're stimulating it, lifting weight, it will turn that into muscle and at the same time burning off fat. So I eventually turned it into professional bodybuilding and I, I did really well with that. I was uh, I did the Olympia. Right now when I wrestle, I go by Melissa, uh, Melissa Ms. Olympia Coates. That's what I wrestle under right now. Um, when I did the Olympia, I was top 10 in the world. I did it a couple of times. I did the Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger Classic. The, the women's bodybuilding end of that is called Miss International. I, I won the Jantana, which was my, my pro debut. I believe I'm the only Canadian. I'm um, originally Canadian from Thunder Bay, Ontario. I believe I'm the only Canadian to win a pro show. Um, and I also was you know, really lucky because I did a lot of magazine covers, a lot of magazine articles, posters, swimsuit issues, Um I was considered, you know, I was, I was really lucky to be considered a, a, a pretty a pretty girl. I was, you know, uh, very muscular, muscular enough to, to win competitions and be one of the top in the world. And at the same time, uh, I was considered, uh, you know, attractive enough that if you saw me on a cover, you know, the magazine owner would think, oh, okay, someone's going to buy this magazine if Melissa's on the cover. So I was on about 10 covers of magazines, uh, Muscle and Fitness, Flex Magazine, Muscle Mag, Iron Man. Uh, so bodybuilding, you know, that involves um, developing muscles. As a girl, maybe not so much getting as huge as maybe a, a guy bodybuilder would get. But for women, you develop your muscles uh, to a certain extent and be very lean so that you show the muscles. And, um, 
you know, bodybuilding isn't necessarily the healthiest thing to do the last few weeks before a contest because you get so lean. I believe my body fat would get down to five or four or five percent, which is like very, very low. But that's how you show all your hard work in the gym. You get that lean, and then you know everyone sees it when you pose on on stage. And of course, you know the, there's a certain number of compulsory um, poses that you do, and, and some of those, my God, they can be pretty difficult to do under those hot lights when you you've been dieting so hard for so many months. Um, but yeah, I did really well with that, and um, you know I'm still in very good shape. I still work out a lot. I'm not as big as I used to be, just because I prefer to be a little more more streamlined, especially when I'm wrestling. Um, when I was at OBW, I did more of a power gimmick, you know, more of a a big muscle girl. Um, I'm only about five foot five. I'm shorter than people expect. Most people think I'm going to be about five foot nine from photos, but I'm I'm really just five foot five. Uh, so mm-hmm. I can, to a certain degree, do the big girl sort of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I also like to, to be agile and move around a bit. A lot of the big girl moves don't involve necessarily being able to wrestle, but, you know, with Rip Rogers, when he was training us at OVW, you know, I definitely know how to wrestle. I know how to chain wrestle all the, the wrestling sort of things because I, I learned that just, uh, you know, within certain stereotypes for, for pro wrestling. If you're doing a big girl thing, you're not necessarily wrestling so much rather than picking people up and throwing them around, really. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, it it takes, you know, the, the main thing they say that differentiates a weightlifter from a bodybuilder is the diet, it's discipline and the ability to diet. Some people just cannot, they cannot put themselves through that type of diet. And I know when I first got into wrestling, it, it was just so different. It was, um, you know, the energy demands are just, they're difficult. And, and, you know, if you notice, there've been some people who have gotten into WWE from, the fitness business and they've actually lost their abs. You know, they didn't stay in the type of shape um, that they were in when they were doing fitness or physique sort of things with, um, with that business. And I think it's because it's, it's a, it's a little bit of, uh, it, it, it takes them getting used to because um, most people coming from the fitness business, you're resting a lot, you're eating six or seven times a day and going to the gym and then snoozing and then, you know what I mean? And once you end up with the role with WWE, well, a lot of times you're, you can't really eat on schedule or it's hard to get proper food on, on the road or you're just not getting that amount of sleep. So even when I when I was at OBW, I got I got heavy because it was when I first got there, we went through 21 days straight where we had training or shows to do, um, you know, and that was that was difficult for me to adjust to. Where I'm at in my life now, you know, my body's adjusted to being able to stay in a, in good shape, and I can still, you know, just because I love the business so much, I can still get that energy together, you know, for a match, even if I feel terrible. You know, if I'm hungry or tired, you know, you still know, okay, I just got to get through the next 10 minutes, you know, or sometimes a women's match is only six minutes. So, you know, I, I managed to dig deep and, and bring it out of myself where some people either they can't do it or they just don't love wrestling enough to do that. So that that's the the biggest thing is, is getting used to that, uh, you know, trying to maintain a, a, a lean muscular physique while wrestling, the, 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 the whole thing you got to get used to is just knowing that, hey, I feel terrible and I feel exhausted right now, but knowing, damn, if those french fries, I'm not going to look right, and that's what I got my job, you know, when they hire you. Uh-huh. Hmm. Yeah, and it's a game, boy? Well, another thing I want to add is 
how has your family responded with you being in bodybuilding and being in wrestling? Um, have they supported you? Oh, well, my you? family have hates they... it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they didn't like it at all. No, they right have yet. It's, it's been very unsupportive. I have one brother. I have a family. Like, both my parents have passed away, actually. My mother passed away after my first Olympia that I did. So she actually passed away at the peak of my bodybuilding career, which, you know. Which, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was sad. I wasn't super close to either one of my parents, but you know, you always want to have, it's still like your family and, and cornerstones of your stability. You know what I mean? It's your root. So it was, it was, and I just moved to California. I moved from a small, you know, well, Thunder Bay is not that small. I come from Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is about, maybe now it's maybe 120,000, maybe less. It was 130,000 when I, when I was there and it's 40 minutes from the Minnesota border that's where I come from. And then I moved to Los Angeles, which of course is gigantic and just a completely, you know, very different place to live. And it's very different from any other place in, in the United States, of course. So, um, you know, I'd moved down there and then I won the Jantana three months later. And then I did the Olympia a few, uh, seven weeks after that. And then right in the middle of my photo shoots and I um, was supposed to do another Ironman swimsuit video. My mom died right before that, so I, I didn't end up doing it, you know, because I, I had to go home for the funeral. And, you know, it was, it was very depressing. You know, Los Angeles is definitely a very difficult place to get used to. You know, there's a lot of people trying to take advantage. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult place for anybody to live, but, you know, it was harder for me because I was now like fighting at the top level um, in the fitness industry and pretty much, you know, my mother was the person I would bounce ideas off and just, you know, everybody needs, and also in wrestling, everybody needs at least one stable person who's grounded to keep them grounded because it's so easy to have your mind twisted around and people twist your mind and make you think things are going on that aren't going on. And, you know, I sort of lost that, that stable that stable sort of voice of uh, reason to talk to. You know, I had friends, of course, that, that I would talk to, too. But, you know, my my mom was who I, I would talk to every once in a while and just kind of, you know, okay, I feel like myself again. You know, I'm I'm Melissa Coates, the little girl growing up and, and not, you know, Melissa Coates, the, you know, champion bodybuilder fitness model, you know, because uh, when you're on that level, you know, there's a lot of people trying to take you down. That's the main thing I know is wrestling. Wrestling is very full of that. Wrestling is is a zillion times more cutthroat than fitness is. You know, it, the, pro wrestling is probably the most difficult business I've ever been involved in. I actually think it's probably easier to get into Hollywood, you know, than it is to, to wow. you know, succeed through some of the pitfalls and the obstacles that people put in front of you with, with uh, pro wrestling. And, and, and real quick, Melissa, um, you know, we have about a few more minutes left with you. We thank you for your time, sure. Um, t- talk about, if you can, real quick, locker room etiquette. Uh, you hear a lot of the boys. We, um, okay. We're we blessed the way we're friends with Rip Rogers. We had Rip um, Rogers on the show. We've had Dr. Tom and a lot of older wrestlers, Harley oh, nice. Race, and a lot of people on. And you, you hear a lot of the older veterans talk about locker room etiquette and the psychology of wrestling. Uh-huh. And since, you know, we had, had the honor of meeting you this past weekend, we were backstage. You see a lot of things backstage, right? Be the boys or media, or different people. And if you can give a quick minute or two um, guidelines to anybody about locker room etiquette. 
Oh, well, for me, yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, the people you just mentioned, they were the people who, who taught me locker room etiquette. I mean, you want to, you know, you want to be polite, everyone, go up and shake everyone's hand as long as they're not in the middle of a conversation with someone else. You know, like um, like Steamboat, you know, he was at a show, I was at, I, you know, I was at Big Time Wrestling um, the past weekend in, in Maryland and in Virginia, and, you know, I know Steamboat and Ron Simmons from when I was at uh, WWE, and, you know, I, I for example, I, you know, Steamboat was busy talking with some people, and I, I waited till he was by himself before I went up, you know, shook his head and said hello, his, shook his head, shook his hand and said hello. Um, you know, you want to, you just want to be quiet and respectful, and, and you know, a lot of times, um, you know, uh, with people who, who maybe are on the independent level, of course, be friendly with all of them, and a lot of times for the for the bigger names, you know, the XWW people or people like that who are on um, the show, you might, uh, you know, wait for a moment to go up like Bret Hart was there and, you know, he's being swarmed to people. But, uh, you know, when he was backstage, but for the most part, I think, you know, people waited for, for him to be done whatever conversations he had with uh, with other, you know, people that uh, I guess were, you know, hired him for the show, the promoters or, or other WWE people. And, you know, you wait your turn, you're polite, say a few words, and a lot of times, you know, you're taught not to, to speak unless you're spoken to. You know, of course, sometimes that's that's different if it's, you know, another guy you knew from or you're training with at a school at a time, but you want to show proper respect for for everybody, um, but especially... For- you know, people who paved the way for for the rest of us. It is. You know, um, try not to have your makeup and your clothes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that always uh, helps to keep your 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 part of the locker room like tidy. <laughs> well, and I well, always well, change in the bathroom, so no no guys get a free look at me. I change in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, it's always is, nice when they have a women's change room, uh, separate from a man's. Yeah, the male change room. I always go to the women's washroom and get trained, uh, changed early. <laughs> well, so. uh, quick uh-huh. in a quick thir- thirty seconds, Melissa. Let us know what is next for Melissa Coates. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have. Um, okay, well, there's a film coming up called Three Fifty Days that actually Bret Hart's a big part of. Uh, it's more of a documentary uh, sort of thing about. You know, I didn't wrestle during the territories, but um, but I'm friends with some of the people who got interviewed, like Marty Janetti. So. Uh, I ended up getting interviewed for that project. That should be coming out soon. Uh, Evan Ginsberg, who did, um, he was the associate producer on the Wrestler movie, which of course was the big comeback film for Mickey yeah. Rourke. I'll be when he gets that out. I think it should come out in about a year. He included me in a, a, a film coming up called uh, The Stage Is an Altar. Um, I have shows coming up in Forest City, North Carolina. I believe I'm refing a match between Baby Doll's daughter and Tully Blanchard's daughter. So that'll be awesome. Wow. Pretty cool to see the girls. Yeah, to see the girls doing really well like that. I have, wow. um, I think, something in Ohio coming up. Um, I have a lot of shows coming up. Um, I have some other. I've started to um, venture into. Uh, I started reconnecting with a lot of the fitness business. I went uh, and did media at the Arnold Classics. Last February, um, at the International Sports Hall of Fame, which uh, Dr. Bob Goldman, he's the founder of the anti-aging, uh, I believe it's a, the medical society, it's the A4M. I've started to um, get back uh, connected with uh, within the fitness business. Um, Dr. Goldman, um, he's, uh, he's very close with Arnold Schwarzenegger, actually. He founded that Sports Hall of Fame, which Mark Henry and Bruno Sammartino are inducted into 
Brandy Couture, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Corey Everson, who was the first really well-known uh, Miss Olympia. She was Miss Olympia six times. Very famous female figure within female bodybuilding. Basically put it on the map. Um, I'm, uh, as well as doing some films, wrestling, and, you know, still doing my weightlifting. I'm, I have some pretty cool projects coming up that, uh, that involve my background uh, in fitness and wrestling, and uh, they involve... Um, like uh, healing injuries through sort of natural means, um, anti-aging business, because, of course, everyone who's in fitness and professional wrestling, you know, we want as long career longevity. We want, the word is, <laughs> we want as much career longevity as possible, which, of course, involves our body functioning as well as possible, getting over injuries and, of course, you know, keeping young and attractive looking as well. Everyone within the entertainment business, that's what we all need unless you're specifically being hired to look older or something like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, got some projects, some pretty exciting things coming up, uh, uh, within that business as well. So it's, you know, it's pretty much the same that I have been doing just a, a lot of wrestling, staying in shape, working out, training people, some acting, and then uh, using my uh, science degree, I actually have a, a biology degree. I went to school before I turned professional in bodybuilding. And um, I'm going to be, um, you know, transitioning, you know, of course, because nobody can wrestle or, or, you know, do bodybuilding forever. Although you can probably bodybuild forever. Wrestling's a little bit harder on the body, but I have some some pretty uh, cool projects. I know some pretty innovative people that I've met along the way Um with uh with the fitness business and wrestling and um yeah that'll be coming out i'm also um working with um this power strip group it's um these strips you can uh that have anti-inflammatory some sort of i I don't exactly know what the formula is i'm going to be marketing that on my website um hulk hogan is actually a big part of this uh company and uh, a lot of uh ww wrestlers it's uh, a power strip pain relieving sort of thing and of course all of us in wrestling our knees get pretty much beat up i put these uh strips on my knees and my knees felt great after so that's another project i'm working on i actually have to uh make that phone call after i'm uh get off the phone with you and and get all that organized it's sort of a new business that i'm I'm getting into but uh but it all works It, it all helps everybody with the same sort of issues i've had you know you get you get beat up and sore from your from uh from your your career and you want to keep going as long as possible and you need a little help here and there and and you know it's it's nice to find good products that are fda approved and you know um kind of combines all all the people i've met on and off over over you know the several years of fitness and wrestling so i got a lot of a lot of stuff going on i like to stay busy well thank you Mike. i get thank bored easily <laughs> well, Melissa, we thank you much hopefully we can bring you back on soon um for that yeah, thank you much for for having you on the show. We thank you. Okay, well, thank you for having me. You guys have a good night. You Thanks. do the same. Thank Take you. care. We'll keep in contact. We will. Okay, all right, okay. for sure. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. 20 seconds left, fans. It's Under the Mat Radio with host Tech and co-host. And I see Game Boy. Yes, we're going to take for listening. Thank you, Kenny Omega and Hadouga for joining us. Thank you, Melissa Coates. 
for thank joining you. us. We thank you much, fans, for listening. For all those that called in for Cheeky, we'll be back next week with National Radio Personality from Baltimore, Rob Long, and Big Bill Anderson will be joining us. Hit us up on Under the Mat Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Tech underscore UTMR and NSC Game Boy. NSC Game Boy, spell it right on Twitter with more information. See you on Saturday at Rage. If not, we will talk to you next Tuesday. Live, live, live. NSC Game Boy. Sure you can. I had to say that. Yes, so still burns, everyone. Talk to you next week.